0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's Monday, the 26th of June, 2023. Uh, I don't know about you, but as I am looking at that date on the calendar, I am thinking to myself, how did how, how did we get here so fast? <sighs> All right, take a deep breath. Um, actually, take a deep breath today and uh, consider the goodness and the grace of God. Take a deep breath today and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. Take a deep breath today and, you know, maybe give yourself an extra 10 or 15 or 20 seconds to consider what's happening in and around you before you respond to what's going on in the world. Yeah, let's just take a deep breath. It's a good way to start the day. Psalm 86 verses five to seven is our growing your faith verse of the day. If you're not signed up for it, you can uh, sign up for the verse of the day at myfaithradio.com and it'll be in your inbox every morning. Beautiful artwork and all kinds of things you can share on your social media, if that's uh, something you'd like to do as well. Psalm 86 verses 5 to 7. Oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Listen carefully to my prayer, O oh Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble, confident that you will answer me. How's your prayer life this morning? Prayer itself is a gift, Uh, and through prayer, God delights in giving us what we ask for. And yes, God is only going to answer in ways that are in accordance with his perfect will, but the potential there is wide and deep and good. Consider all of the uh, answered prayers in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, and consider all the answered prayers over the course of time Um, from Christians of all kinds of places and life circumstances. How's your prayer life today? Are you going before the Lord who is so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for help? I'm thinking about the way that Paul, the Apostle Paul, exercised the gift of prayer and how he encourages us to do the same. In Romans 8, you know, we we tend to glance over these verses because we're so quickly headed to the ones at the end of the chapter, but um, there's a, you know, there's suffering. People are experiencing real suffering. Paul's experiencing real suffering, and he says, what then shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? And here's the prayer part. He who did not spare his own son but gave himself up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That's a teaching on prayer in the context of a chapter on living in the Holy Spirit and calling out to Abba, Father. That is access given to us through the person and the work and the name of Jesus. So if you're feeling today like you don't know how to pray, pray like Jesus. Pray like Paul. Pray like Peter. Pray like Susie Larson. Like, Pray like you've heard others pray whose prayers are effectual, humble, honest, God-fearing, God trusting, filled with confident hope in the goodness of God to answer that his glory might be revealed. My friend, God is good. He is a good, good father, and he wants to give you the gift today of answered prayer. So who do you know who would be served today by your prayer for them? Would you pray for a miracle? Would you expect always the unexpected and anticipate miracles, knowing that with God, all things are possible? Pray for that person today. Pray for them and ask God to show himself faithful. Pray believing that God will be God and he is so good. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dave Buring is going to join us next. We're going to talk about God's consuming fire. First of all, what is that? God's consuming fire and who wants that? Who wants the consuming fire of God? Do you? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Dave Buring from Lion Share. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. Good morning, Dave.
2: Good morning, Carmen.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. God's consuming fire. What is that? And um, do I want it? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah right The good way to start the week you know when we we talk about God's character oftentimes we will focus things on like God's grace and his mercy and his kindness and those kinds of things but on our LionShare podcast over the last several months we've been tackling uh, different issues that relate to the character of God like God as jealous and just you know God's anger things that are actually there in the Bible that tell us who God is and what he's like. And this is one of those things that, again, we, we often can bump into and go, what is that? Mm-hmm. So l- let me just start by giving us a bit of a definition when you think of consuming fire, all right? Because in there's several places in scripture where those two words are linked together describing God. So here's kind of the definition of consume. It means to use up, to destroy or annihilate Fire that can be used as a form of judgment, but also to purify or refine. It also speaks of God's holiness and majesty. So when we think of this, you know, there's times we see God appearing in fire like that. Kind of the one that most people I think would know is Moses at the burning bush and God revealing himself and speaking to Moses from that place of awe and holiness that Moses encountered. So it's, a, it's an attribute or, an expression of, of God that is good for us to know and to understand because it deals with a lot of different pieces, including his holiness, as well as refining our lives.
0: I heard um, somebody reflect on this once and sort of juxtapose the reality that in a material culture, consumers are consumed. And uh, yeah, it's, right. It's, it's like helpful for me to think about consumption. Um, yes. and the way that you talk about that for something, you know, to be consumed is it would it would be used up, but it would also be destroyed or annihilated. And man, that gives me a different perspective on consumption and being a consumer um in, in the culture today. All right, so we're um we're talking about the way God is described as a consuming fire. Uh Hebrews twelve 28 and 29, maybe take us uh, in into the scriptures and maybe other places where this is described.
2: Yeah, so uh, there's several places, you know, that we will bump into this in the scriptures. The Hebrews passage you're talking about, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful res- for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's the kingdom of God. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And I think it's important for us to to begin with two pieces on this carmen one is I when I read this I think of Revelation chapter 1 where John who had walked with Jesus on earth for 3 years give or take and then all of a sudden he he on the isle of Patmos sees Jesus in a whole different way and mm. he he experiences you know God or experiences Jesus where he says this about him in Revelation 1 The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. And he goes on to describe him. His face was like the sun shining in full strength. And I just got to think, for John, it must have been a bit of a, huh? you know kind of moment seeing like,
0: is that Jesus?
2: <laughs> yeah exactly but Jesus revealing himself more in his glory and in his holiness so i think when we talk about this it begins with recognizing the the force of who god is and i think it also has to do with you know the recognition that god is light and that god is holy and these are things that when we think about jesus our friend which is one aspect of who he is, but there's this other aspect that deals with what John and even Isaiah encountered, where God is holy, 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 and is due our awe and reverence.
0: Um. So, is John of Patmos, uh, the writer of Revelation, um, you know, like the same John of Peter, James, and John? I think so, right? That's same correct. John.
2: Yep. Same so John. he
0: so he at least he had in his experience having witnessed the transfiguration. Uh-huh. So he sees Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration where the fullness of his glory is revealed, where, you know, his his it's like his human flesh is becomes transparent and uh, and the fullness of the Godhood shines through. So I do feel like John, when he describes things for us in Revelation, he has at least that context.
2: That's right. It's like he had a sneak peek,
0: you Mm -hmm. know, to
2: to some of that. And I think in this one, it's an amazing thing to to just like the detail. Like so you can tell that, you know, because, again, he didn't whip out his iPhone and take a picture of this. He had to gaze. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) He had to gaze deeply at this thing because the description, Mm -hmm. hairs of head, the length of the robe, Uh, you know, his eyes, his, you know, hearing his voice, what was in his right hand and what came from his mouth and his face, all these things. So it was something obviously that, can I play on it this way, consumed him as he saw him. And, Mm -hmm. and that's something that, that is an invitation for all of us today is Jesus inviting us to be consumed by seeing him for who he really is.
0: You know, when um, Luke describes the stoning of Stephen and Stephen sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, mm. Luke doesn't describe what what uh, uh, what Stephen sees because Luke doesn't know what Stephen sees other than he knows he sees Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so this sort of gives me a sense that this Jesus that Stephen saw is the same Jesus that John saw. We just don't yes. have that testimony there in the book of Acts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah All right. Hey, really let's good. take a very brief break. We got to come. We got to we, we got to get a little break in here. But I want to continue this conversation, Dave, about um, God as consuming fire. And then, you know, sort of like what it means to develop an, uh, an appetite for that, to, to want to want that. Um, Who wants God's consuming fire? As you're listening right now, do you want God's consuming fire? We're going to continue our conversation with Dave Buring. We're talking about a podcast posted at lionshare.org. That's where you can find the notes on this as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at myfaithradio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio's social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show again. Thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at myfaithradio.com. Be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. Um, that is Deuteronomy 9 3. We're talking about God who is described as a consuming fire. What does that mean and why should we desire it? We're talking with Dave Buring from Lion Share. This is the subject of one of Lion Share's recent. Wisdom Unlocked podcast you can find it at lionshare.org. Dave, let's talk about the desire for God's consuming fire.
2: Yeah, I think as we, you know, talked a little bit about what God looks like as a consuming fire and it being his holiness, it's Jesus kind of in his fullness, it's light, it's that force that comes with with fire. I think the practical side of it, Carmen, has to do with two pieces for me. The first um, is, and I think we see it in Job 23.10, and it says this, when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And the idea behind that is when when they would purify gold, they would put it in a a vessel that underneath and would be heated up with fire. And when that firing process is happening, the purifying of the gold happens and, and the dross or the, empty, not useful parts of the gold would would emerge at the very top of that pot. And they could just scrape that out, scrape that off. And what's left is pure gold. And I think one of the, the things that we want to look at when it comes to the practical part of this is we want to invite this aspect of God to, if we go back to our definition a little bit, to destroy and annihilate the things in our lives that don't need to be there and so what are those aspects of our own character what are those uh, sinful habits what are those things of our lives that make us less look less like jesus that has us live less like jesus and it's inviting him to say god this area of my life, my, my thoughts, my words, the actions I have, the, the inner motivations that nobody else knows. Lord, would you just come and annihilate those things, purify them that I might come forth as gold to reflect you in a better way?
0: I have myself, so, you know, I just kind of muse sometimes, right? <clears throat> so I, now mm-hmm. I have myself wondering if, um, if this is where we get the term fired, like when somebody gets fired from a job, I wonder if you know way back when, like this is where that comes from. Um, well, that that, there's there your is, project for the week. <laughs> yeah, like right. There's a term. There's a termination there. Wow. There's yeah. a. Um, and we do experience it as uh, as hard and hot and, but it could be purifying. It could be purifying. Yeah. It could be like pottery. It could be solidifying. It could be, um, yeah. Anyway, there you go. Um, yeah. yeah, just, just a thought, just a thought this, cause you know, I have random thoughts, Dave, and it's, it's like coffee together. And this is what I'd be saying if we were sitting down over a cup of coffee.
2: Exactly. No, I think okay. that's great. And I, I would like, I would like to know that. That's a great... I know. I'm
0: going to find out. I'm just yeah. going to dig around in that. I am. I'm going to yeah. look for that. Okay. Um, okay. So we have a day of forgiveness coming up here at Faith Radio in a couple of days. And I thought that I should start asking everybody who I'm talking with, like, you want to just make some comments on that. If you were if you were going to settle in on a day of forgiveness, what might be some thoughts that you would want to share with others as they consider um, a day of forgiveness?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm so I have a a project this year uh, of it's a long memorization project, and it's something that I have desired to do for quite a few years, and it's around the Sermon on the Mount, and so it's been. You know, challenging me, um, I have to kind of take about two verses a week to keep up and then it's rehearsing and, you know, well, where I have been the last little bit here, um, literally last week is this, and it's uh, chapter six of Matthew and it says, "'For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses.'" It's just an interesting thought because you know, oftentimes we don't pause to to consider what what Jesus is actually saying here. And first, the joy of it is as we forgive others, we can know God's forgiveness. There's because it's all a relational thing, right? Forgiveness is all about relationship. It's relating well with God, it's relating well with other people. And so I think when I think about this area of forgiveness, it's it's it can be challenging because there are um, hurts, wounds that others have inflicted on our lives as we have on on others. But it's making sure that we don't let that consume us, but instead we allow that thing to be given over to the Lord. That we're not holding it against people because actually forgiveness is kind of like a um, it's like an undetected spiritual cancer inside of us. And it eats away, eats away, eats away at us. And Jesus not only came to forgive us, but He came that we might be free from unforgiveness.
0: Mm. You know, it's it's possible that um, what many folks are dealing with that you know on the surface level might might look like um, many other things. Uh, that the at the root of it, way back somewhere in their history, might be some unforgiveness. I mean, when you yeah. describe it as an undetected spiritual cancer, like the surface things that people experience um, related to cancer are not really the underlying issue. Uh, they they are evidences of it, but, you know, but surface level things. And so, wow, now you have me thinking about forgiveness and um, relationships and um, maybe those points and places where things are manifesting on the surface where really at the root is some historical unforgiveness um, in me in that relationship or a relationship like that that's that's long since passed. Wow, that's really helpful. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, how can we be praying for you?
2: Well, we have a um, big project that's coming up here in a few uh, days that um, is an opportunity to connect people in their 40s to 70s with people in their 20s and 30s in a discipling relationship to come alongside of them both spiritually and vocationally. It's something we call the leadership games, and that's something that we're launching here in a few weeks. And I'm delighted that you're teaming with me on that as well as many others around the country. And it's going to be a a wonderful time, but we're pioneering it. And you know, when you, the Lord asks you to walk with him to create something out of nothing, you know, without his breath of life on it is just ends up being fruitless and a waste of time. And so I think, you know, praying for that. And then I'd say the second thing is we were talking about forgiveness. It's like, there's, it's been really interesting, Carmen, the last several weeks, some things that have Run past my feet, so to speak, that has um, left a little bit of a mark, and uh, mm. and I'm doing I'm doing well in dealing with it. You know, I'm seeing it, dealing with it. But as we were talking about forgiveness, it's it's one of those things that, for me, part of the way that that I deal with um, forgiveness is when there's somebody that has wounded or hurt me. There's the initial Lord, I just speak forgiveness towards them and blessing over them. But it's one of those things that for me, is easier to continue to just whisper that, like speak it out loud. I'm just saying if I'm in the middle of the day and I think about it as I'll just, Lord, I just forgive them. And I just, so yes, there's the initial moment of it, but when it comes back, I just say it again, Lord, I speak forgiveness and I speak blessing over them until one day You know, it might be 24 hours later. It might be several months later. All of a sudden, when I think of them or they cross my path and I realize my heart is not reacting, that means it's had its work in me. Mm.
0: Uh, In the same way we need daily bread, we need daily forgiveness. Um, So that's really helpful. Um, Can we pray for you? Please. Father, we come before you um, in the name of Jesus in the unity of spirit and the bond of peace as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we lift up our brother, Dave. Um, We ask uh, your anointing upon this project, uh, these leadership games. We ask your protection and your provision. We ask um, for you to use it in ways that glorify you and build up your kingdom here on earth. And Father, for those things that have run past Dave's feet, that have left a mark, we ask for cleansing and healing, consolation, restoration, reconciliation. And Father, we thank you. We thank you um, for the ways in which you are working in Dave today and revealing yourself um, through him. Bless him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, my Amen. brother.
2: Thank you, my friend.
0: Yeah. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. Okay, did you hear that? Did you hear Max Lucato talking about lost pigs? So, you know, you never know. You never really know why God brought something across, you know, the viewfinder of your life. And so I had put in my pocket this article about the police um, in Pennsylvania having tracked down, I mean, chasing and eventually uh, finding a lost pig that had been wandering the streets and um, where he's now living. And he's got his own... Uh, he's got his own web page. Did you know that there's a whole Facebook community related to the finding of lost pigs? Apparently, pigs wander off just as badly as sheep do. Like So anyway, we have parables of lost sheep. We don't actually have parables of lost pig pigs, except today in America, we apparently do have lots of parables of lost pigs. I mean, if you just were to Google lost pig, you would hear... Um, about a blue merle pig who's one year old uh, that the Aurora Police Department um, found and uh, returned to the animal shelter. You would find you would find a story um, an, again out of Pennsylvania where a a uh, a pig had been reported, a large pig, reported, and the the police chased the pig. Um, for days. Like the pig was really good at hiding. And now the pig is living in some retirement pig community. I don't know, some retirement farm. For... So there you go. Apparently, um, we're losing pigs all, all over the place in America. And I can't believe Max Lucato talked about it in Upwards because that gave me an opportunity to pull that out of my pocket and share it with you. So don't be a lost pig. Be a found sheep. I don't know. Can I make that? Can I just come right out and say that over coffee this morning? Don't be a lost pig be a found sheep today. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and he loves you. So let yourself be found today. Aren't you tired of hiding? Like that would be another way of approaching this. We have been playing this game of hide and seek with God since the garden of Eden. Aren't you tired of hiding? I mean, would you just let yourself be found today? Come out, come out wherever you are. Um, so do you remember that in the game of hide and seek? Yeah, I know we're supposed to be getting to our conversation with Adam Carrington about all things Supreme Court, but just bear with me for just a moment. So, it, when you were a kid, did you play hide and seek? Well, I did, and I I heard I heard the little phrase and I said the little phrase "Ali ali oxen free." Do you know that that's actually not what it says? It's "All in, all in, all in free." It's a statement of grace. Did you know that? In the game of hide and seek, which we started playing in the Garden of Eden with God, right? And and God says, come out, come out wherever you are. You know, why are you hiding from me? Uh, And Jesus comes to seek and to save the lost. Like we've been playing hide and seek since then. And it's time to let yourself be found. In Jesus Christ, God says, all in, all in, all in free. Come home, stop hiding. All right, don't be a pig. Don't be a lost pig. Be a found sheep. Yeah, that's what I got today. We're gonna talk with Adam Carrington about all, Adam Carrington, about all things Supreme Court. There's a bunch of things the Supreme Court well, they've probably decided, but they haven't shared their decisions. That's uh, Many of those are coming out tomorrow. It's going to be um, probably a pretty hot pace. This is the last week of June, and normally that is when the Supreme Court finishes its business. So we're going to talk with Adam about things that the court has decided and what is still pending, what we might be looking forward to in the week to come. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Dr. Adam Carrington is joining us next or now. Not next. Now. Hi, Adam.
1: <laughs> hello. Hello. I'm here.
0: Uh, I got myself a little bit distracted about the pig and pig conversation. So I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get refocused now on the Supreme Court and so many serious things.
1: That, that That's fine. I grew up where there were about as many pigs and cows as people. So I have nothing against uh, a good conversation about them.
0: Right. And I mean, and chasing them around. I mean, good, clean fun. I mean, a greased pig. That's an all day fun. That's all day fun, man. That's all day fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Our (laughs) our equivalent was if you were in the lake, you greased up a watermelon and had Mm -hmm. a version of football that tried to carry it across a line and a lot of mayhem would ensue there, too.
0: Okay, that sounds like a Fourth of July. Really fun, really fun thing to do. So there you go. And probably, you know, uh, you know, no watermelons are harmed um, and pigs probably don't like to be greased and chased around. So that's a much better, that's a much more humane approach. <laughs> Let's celebrate. Yeah, well, approach. well,
1: that's good. <laughs> I, both ended up being eaten, I guess, eventually, but that's maybe mean.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. Um, the Supreme Court, many people, the only thing that they know about the Supreme Court is that there are some conversations going on about ethics and Um, what justices should and should not be accepting as gifts. But let's talk about the actual decisions of the Supreme Court. Some of them have come down, but there are some that have not yet been decided. Um, And so read us in on either list, those that have been decided or those we're still awaiting.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest list are those that are still to be decided. I mean, there's been cases that obviously matter to the particular people suing, Uh, that have come out, but the really big ones are still left to uh, come out. And I think I heard you uh, before I I joined you saying the court normally tries to finish up by the 1st of July or the end of June. So if they keep to that, then they might all come out this week and the next either Tuesday, Thursday or so. The biggest ones, I'll I'll just bullet point, happy to talk more about them. But uh, one is going to be 303 LLC Creative, which is about the photographer that want, wants to do weddings, but not weddings that violate her sincere religious beliefs as a Christian. So it doesn't want to do same-sex weddings. And she's forced to, by um, public uh, non-discrimination laws, in order to keep her business, does she have a religious exemption? So obviously that's going to be huge. It's really going to clear up some issues from Masterpiece Cake Shop, Uh, the case from years ago about jack phillips that i'm sure many are are familiar with uh the other another really big one is going to be two cases about affirmative action and the future of affirmative action Um, does racial preferences in um admission policies in colleges does it violate either the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment that says you should have equal protection under the law Or does it violate parts of the Civil Rights Act that says no discrimination on the basis of race for those who get government funding? Uh, And then the third one that I think people might be really interested in, although there's there's some more, but I'll I'll just keep it to three, is um, the court late in the term took uh, the student uh, the Biden administration student loan forgiveness program. And one thing I'll caution on that is what the court is deciding is not forgiving student loans, right or wrong, good or bad. It's the president did it unilaterally through the executive branch. The question is, did he have congressional authority to do so? Because really constitutionally, anything a president does must be done in pursuing the law and Congress and the constitution are the actual laws. So uh but did 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 the overstep his bounds for that that's gonna be obviously a very big one, so there's others, but I think those three are gonna be the the biggest heaviest hitters as we go into this possibly last week of the court
0: yeah the um I think the other one that folks are interested in um that I've heard about is the uh u s postal service worker uh, um who requested not to work on sundays and um and has asked for a religious accommodation under the Civil Rights Act. And so I do think people are um, interested in that as well. And I'll just say this. If you don't want to work on Sunday, go to work for the bank or the government. I mean, I, those would be... But I guess he, the, he went to work for the government. He went to work for the U.S. Postal Service and thought that by that he'd get Sundays off, and then they took a contract with Amazon for Sunday deliveries. Yep. So there you go, the commercialization yep. Yep. of of things that, uh, that we thought were not particularly commercial. Um, all right, what about... Um, Uh, this conversation about defining religion in the court. Um, The court does have a challenge in terms of defining what we mean by religion.
1: Right. And the, and they always have, and I think this will be at least in the background of the case you mentioned, which I think will could have some serious uh, legal ramifications too, as well as the 303 LLC case. But um, the, constitution protects the free exercise of religion it says government can't establish a religion at least nationally it says that there can't be a religious test or oaths for taking office those are all in the constitution but there's no footnote that says at the bottom this is what religion is this is what we mean by religion and there are some obvious ways that's not an issue in common understanding. If you're an, an adherent to some long recognized strand of Christianity or Islam or Judaism or um, uh, Buddhism, you know, or something like that, uh, generally it's the, the idea is if you're making a religious claim based on that, it's legitimate, or at least it's sincere, even if the court will have to decide one way or another if, if it wins. But um, there, there's a great article in First Things uh, on this that people can look up that I think really lays out the issue that we've always had a problem of if people have sort of uh, uh, unique or ab- or not normally connected to any religious belief uh, ideas, if they say I'm not really part of any uh, dedicated religion or what I draw from my religion really isn't in in ever been claimed by that religion. Uh, what do you do with those religious claims? And given that we have a rise of what are called nuns, uh, N-O-N-E-S, that aren't attached to any particular religion, um, are more spiritual as opposed to to uh, believing in a particular deity or set of dogmas uh, that aren't really part of a religious community or even uh, attach their beliefs to a history with a religious community, what do you do with them? And And, and the problem being... Could this become a vehicle for, one, chaos, if there are so many different religious beliefs that uh, it's it gets hard to accommodate their variety? But two, could people use this as a vehicle to say, well, I don't want to do something, so I'm going to claim a religious exemption, and there's not any kind of standard to say, well, there's some limit to what your religious claims can be? So it's the idea of how do you protect religious liberty without allowing a kind of anarchy or abuse of uh, the claim of religious liberty? And the more we have religious diversity, the more we have detached religious persons from religious communities, the harder that gets and the more the court might need to um, stop punting on that issue as it has done over the centuries and, and, and come up with some idea of what a religion might be. And that might be even interesting for us individually to think about. What, what, do we, what do we really mean when we say something is a religion beyond its truth or falsity, uh, beyond other factors of having some kind of belief system? Is there more to it in at least how we define it as a political and social matter?
0: Yeah, and when we, uh, as Christians, start thinking deeply about that and we think about our relationship with God and we think about the character and the ways of God— and then we think about the people of the way and the way of Jesus and walking in the way of Jesus. Um, I think it helps us frame that conversation, because for me, this is a way of life. This is the way of life. This isn't um, a set of things I do or don't do. Um, this is a way of being, um, a, a way of living. And when we talk about um where that means religion extends in my life, there's no part of my life that is not influenced because it's literally the way I'm walking. It's the one I'm walking with. Um, and so I do think that our own internal conversation about what what does it mean when I use the term Christian, um, what do I mean by that, and how would I define that to another person if if I were saying to them, I I cannot, in good conscience, as a Christian, do that or participate in that. Um, well, why is that? Well, it's not that it, 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 it it's not that it infringes on some set of rules. It's that it genuinely infringes on this living relationship I have with this person named Jesus, and that is hard for another person to argue against.
1: Right, and I would add to the fact that you said people, plural, of the way that it's, and this was a discussion in the article. Um, in Christianity, we are not we are saved by God directly, but we are saved into a community, uh, the mm. body of Christ, and therefore the individual salvation isn't separated in practice or in experience from corporate belonging to each other and to Christ with each other. And so, to what degree does our definition of religion? Uh, while it includes individual practices is connected to the experience we have in that faith community. How much is religion an organized principle, even if it involves those essential individual components? That's part of the question I think that 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 the court has to be asked now, and they want to be asked they want to ask in relation to religious liberty, so they don't want to decide this is the right or wrong religion because that's not really their job as a court but how do they respect what religion is? And that includes respecting how Christians understand themselves in the way I think that that, that you were discussing, too.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to plumb here. Um, I mean, we should circle back around at some point and talk about uh, the, the court's conversation related to humanism as a religion and, and what that means as it extends forward into the conversation to the day. But we got to take a very brief break. We're talking with Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Uh, if you were pressed... Um, on the question of religion and religious liberty, um, and someone ask you to define, well, what, what does it mean for you to be free to exercise your religious faith? And where and in what ways and under what circumstances? Like, how would you engage in that conversation today? That That is literally the conversation of the day taking place, not only at the level of the Supreme Court, but in courts across the country as cities and states um create laws that bind the conscience in many cases of, um, of believers. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Adam Carrington in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west so far, has God removed your transgressions from you? That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us? Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. So we're talking with Dr. Adam Adam Carrington. Adam, it's been a year since the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs case, reversing the prior decision of the court in Roe v. Wade, returning the question of abortion regulations to the states. Uh, You have a piece at World, um, wise as serpents, innocent as doves. You're helping us uh, learn from... Um, and then point what we still need to learn about being Christians in this particular conversation. Would you read us in?
1: Sure. And it was an idea of, of where do we, how should we think about going forward after the Dobbs opinion really changed the landscape without settling the debate about abortion uh, culturally and then politically. And I, I said, um, the the advice that jesus gives uh to his disciples but i think it goes to christians in general of being wise as serpents and innocent as doves is good advice that uh we need to be reinforced in but also maybe do better at and i think the the innocent as doves um i think with you know some exceptions uh christians have been very uh loving in the way they have articulated the pro-life message uh, they have poured into crisis pregnancy centers they've done all sorts of other things um, and to never forget that the ultimate cause of protecting the unborn and unborn life is a, a good just innocent cause and, and should not be flinched from or, or, or backed down from um, but I said, and maybe what we need to be even better at is being uh, wise as serpents. So having wisdom in what is the best way to bring our innocent just cause to better fruition. And I said that one thing we need to recognize is that we're fighting not really one battle about abortion. We're really fighting at least three or at least on three fronts. Uh, we're still fighting on the, legis- on the on the judicial front, pardon me. Uh, even though we're not fighting battles in the Supreme Court, we're still fighting in state courts where there are all these debates about whether state constitutions protect abortion or protect human life and all these – and this is going on across the country. So the judicial battle is not done and we need to keep using the tools we learned in fighting the battle at the Supreme Court level there. Um, Second, we're fighting now a legislative battle where – There can be, uh, uh, with the voters or with elections or with bills, a lot done regarding abortion. And we've actually struggled a lot on that front. And I was sort of arguing that we need to up our wisdom on what's the most winnable argument and winnable approach to save the most unborn lives legislatively. And then third, we have an ongoing cultural battle. And this is where we're trying to make the argument to people, neighbors, neighbors friends, family, trying to make it with crisis pregnancy centers and other elements that we value uh, the mother, we value the unborn child, and that we are going to do everything we can to support both, love both. Uh, and I think that, you know, we, we've done a lot there, but could continue to redouble our efforts. So I think the wisdom of Serpent says, know what context you're in and know that the battle might look a little different, whether it's a law, a courtroom, or just your neighbors talking, and we, we can learn to be wise, more and more wise as we fight that multifaceted front uh, to protect the cause of life.
0: So if you're listening right now, I want you to um, think about the first thousand days. When you think about the first thousand days of a person's life, do you think about the, um, the day that they are conceived as day one? So if I were to ask you um, about a first thousand days initiative, would you think in the way that America works globally where we define the first thousand days as beginning at conception and leading to the second the second birthday or here in the United States efforts uh, in some places to establish and develop first thousand day programs, but they start counting on the day the child is born? Um, and take that to uh, birthday number three. So just think about that for a moment. When you think about the first thousand days of a person's life, do you think about conception as the day that life begins? And if so, are you pro-life during that woman's pregnancy? Are you supporting that child in the first thousand days of life, not only on the day that they're born going forward, but are you genuinely supporting their development as a human being and their brain development Um, from the very first day. So you might check out the First Thousand Days. First Thousand Days is a global uh, program of the United States. We support it around the world, and yet we don't do the same here in the United States for our own. So that might be a wise as serpents, innocent as doves conversation that you could think about. Adam, as always, um, thank you so much. What a gift to uh, have time with you today.
1: Oh, Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and wishing you all a good uh, 4th of July next week.
0: Yeah, likewise, likewise. We'll uh, we'll reflect on that the next time we talk. How's that sound? That'd be great. Wonderful. That's Dr. Adam Carrington. You can find him at Hillsdale College. You can find what he's writing at World News Group and elsewhere. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Wow, there's a lot of pig input on the uh, text line today. Remember, the text line's always open, 877-933-2484. Christine has a husband who was a veterinary pathologist and raised on a farm. He used to say, dogs look up to you, cats look down on you, pigs treat you as equals. Yeah, that is, um, I think, absolutely true. Julie um, texted in that uh, they had a pot-bellied pig once, and he, he heard uh, uh, Julie calling his name down the block, and he came galloping back home like a little horse. Yeah, see, isn't that a fantastic image? Have you called your pig home today? Have you as a sheep been called home today? Oh, my goodness. And then, um, and then we have a listener who says, uh, the pig and the lost sheep, my duck has disappeared and left behind five eggs in the nest. What to do? Well, don't sit on them. There you go. That will be my wise farm counsel today. Get an incubator. All right. We're incubating all kinds of things here this morning on Mornings with Carmen, and we got another hour up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.